This week on Glistening Particles. Kind of break down one-on-one with a person like, hey, these are the stories you're telling yourself. This is why things aren't going well. Uh-huh. And just kind of help re- redevelop the path that they're on to get to where they want to be. This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of those who are donating to the Glistening Particles podcast to bring great content your way every week. Those include Christine Collister, Lorraine Tarbiton, Mike Kiffel, Paul McIntosh, Tanner Lawley, and Lori Hughes. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, hop out to glisteningparticles.com and click on donate. There are a couple ways to do it. One is through a monthly donation on Patreon, and the other is through PayPal or credit card. And of course, thanks to all the guests who come and share their stories and their enthusiasm. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everyone. In this episode, I'm talking with one of my top three favorite trainers of all time, AJ. And he and I worked together. Well, I guess I should say I trained with him (laughs) uh, about a year and a half ago. And like normal, I broke him and he left and went and did something else. But in this episode, we talk about his passion for helping people and how it led him to coaching this amazing uh, wheelchair basketball team in Whitewater, Wisconsin. So with that, here's AJ. Hi, AJ. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jane. How's it going? It's going good. So uh, let's give the listeners a little bit of an idea of how we met. I'm continually seeking trainers to work out with me because something happens when I work out with them for a while. They decide to do different jobs. That seems to be the pattern. (laughs) Um, The first one hung in there with me for a year and a half, so I have to give them a lot of credit. But uh, I found you at Anytime Fitness. And right away, I was like, I found my new trainer. (laughs) I was so happy. And then like two months later, you left. So I broke you really fast. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, you'll never live that down. That's like permanent records kind of stuff. So I get it, though. I get it. You were doing some other things that were pretty cool. So I get it. But um, I have to say for everybody who's listening, um, finding a personal trainer that you build that you feel like a really good connection with is not, I don't think, an easy thing. Just like finding a counselor or a doctor or anyone else who's going to be, you know, intimately involved in your your health and things like that. And what I realized with you right off the bat was that you have this like deep, deep compassion that is just kind of, I think, inborn with you. And, um, I think we became fast friends. You know what I mean? It felt like really comfortable, really fast. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty quick transition. It was 
Yeah. Is it like that with everyone? You can say it's no, just me. No, okay. in all honesty, it's, it's not. There's, there's definitely some people that, that aren't the, the, the easiest to work with okay. um, and don't, and I, I don't always mesh with, with, okay. but for the most, for the most part, it's pretty easy, but there's, there's definitely, everybody has those people that just don't work right. well with you. So. And then those standouts like me that you wish you stayed a trainer because of, right? <laughs> still kind of, st- still have moments where I kind of train you. Oh, that's true. <laughs> L- little bits and pieces that's here true. and there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So um, anyway, so then let's tell the people what it is that you do for work because I think it's a pretty amazing part of your story besides training. Okay, so um, currently I have kind of two different jobs at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. The first one... Um, is the main part of my job is academic advising and so working with freshmen um, and business students just kind of making sure they're on the right track and making sure they understand their goals where they want to go what career they eventually want Um, but the part that um, most people are interested in when i tell them what i do is the the wheelchair basketball portion Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'm the assistant coach for the uw whitewater wheelchair basketball program um, which is one of nine men's teams college teams in the country and there's four women's college teams in the country um so i help i help coach them we go through all the same daily practices um and workouts that all the able-bodied teams do um just kind of do it from a chair so a little Mm -hmm. bit a little bit different (laughs) how did you end up um finding that like what brought you to do that at whitewater so the way i ended up in whitewater was um I went to University of Missouri. My family's from Missouri. Uh, went there for school, and I needed an internship for graduation. Had no idea really at that point what I wanted to do. I was a health science major. Originally wanted to do physical therapy, and then kind of shifted and was kind of lost, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got into, or was looking through a list of different internships people had done in the past. Mm-hmm through health science and saw wheelchair basketball listed. And I was like, well, I've always loved basketball. I've been a basketball player my whole life. I worked Mm -hmm. with the women's able-bodied team in Missouri for a couple of years as like a manager Mm -hmm. and practice player. And so I was like, well, I'll give this wheelchair basketball thing a shot. Um, And so showed up and talked to the coach there and was like, yeah, this this could be fun. Mm -hmm. And so in all honesty, I went in expecting to – kind of have to just um help help with everything like carry bags around for trips push their their basketball chairs because they were in their day chairs and mm-hmm. just kind of didn't have an appreciation for i guess how independent they are oh. um and so i went on the first trip with them to i was actually to whitewater was the first trip i ever went on and um was just was kind of amazed i was like i felt like there was something i needed to do and mm-hmm. there was nothing that I needed to do. So that was, oh. it was kind of interesting. Um, so definitely very eye opening. But then the thing that kind of kept me around the sport, I think, was it's such a tight knit group. Um, the whole wheelchair basketball community kind of they grew up playing each other. Um, they all have been through different struggles, similar struggles, and they all everybody everybody just kind of fights fights through adversity. Um, and so. I think that was kind of what drew me to it. But then how I ended up in Whitewater was the head coach of the University of Missouri actually was the head coach of the United States national team as well. 
Oh, and so he the national basketball wheelchair basketball team. Yep, okay. national wheelchair basketball team. Oh, okay. And so then he asked if I wanted to help, kind of do stats, be kind of a manager for the team while we were doing going to training camps. Um, and then at the time, the coach here at Whitewater, um, Jeremy Lottie, we call him Opie. Um, okay. He's been known as Opie since he was a little kid. So um, he was a player on the team at the time, uh-huh. and just kind of he he just kind of drew me in basically he's just very very personable Mm -hmm. it's one of those people you connect with instantly um and you kind of want to follow whatever he does Uh, so (laughs) so really inspiring yeah so i just kind of got to got talking to him at some of the camps and i at the time was at this point had graduated from missouri and was in grad school at missouri for sports psychology oh okay um and I was kind of finishing up the program, still didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I kind of wanted to stick around in the wheelchair basketball scene. Uh-huh. Um, and so he's like, well, if you want to come to, come here for grad school, you can, and you can be a grad assistant. Um, oh, okay. And so I was like, well, all right, I guess, I guess I'll go, I guess I'll go up there and, and be freezing cold all the time <laughs> um, and, yeah. uh-huh. and get another grad degree. So I came up here and got a second master's degree in um, basically athletic administration. Okay. And then I've been, was a grad assistant with the team, um, actually played on the team because of a rule change that allowed me to play. Um, and then have been coaching since, and then obviously became a trainer for a little while and then got into advising and still I'm coaching to this day. So that's a pretty great story. So I, you know, sometimes people have the stories like that because they just keep showing up at the right place at the right time, which is a little bit what yours is like. But I think, I think it's more that people just kept seeing your, your, your character, your character and compassion for people and wanting more of that in the sport. I think, I mean, I just think there's more to it than being at the right place at the right time. So I'm so glad that all of those things aligned because when you first, when I first met you and you told me about what you did, you could see it. You could just see you light up like this is <laughs> like, and I, and I think it comes from an odd place. I don't think it comes from a place of like, I feel so good because I'm giving back to a cause. I, the way I take it and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems to be me more that you're like, if those guys, those guys and ladies can go out there and like give their all on the basketball court in a wheelchair and like fight through all the adversity they have, who am I to not help them? Yes, I kind of feel like it's it's kind of just I, I just fit fit in really well. It wasn't one of those. I think when I was doing basketball all while I was little, it was kind of that um, it's me against you. We can't, we can't be friends. Like you play against the other team and after the game, you don't say anything to that team. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm very competitive. Like I want to win at everything, oh. but at the same time, I, it's hard for me to not want to kind of be friends with somebody, okay. I guess. <laughs> and so it was really cool because they all known each other for so long. And then people went and played each other against each other instead of on the same team when they went to college. And so after the game, they'd be like, Oh, Hey, uh, how's, how's your family doing? I haven't seen them in a while or, Oh, what are you doing for, for Christmas break? You want to hang out while we're home? Right. And you just really didn't, I never really got a sense of that while I was playing basketball. But then when I got here, I just, if, if everything fit, I guess is the best way to say, 
And so, so cool. I, I don't know if there's like a other certain thing that like drew me to it or something yeah. in me that did it, but I just, it just fit. <laughs> so there was this kind of um, combination of competitiveness yet camaraderie yeah. that you wanted to have together at the same time. Yeah. And so you got obviously the competitiveness because everybody out there wants to win and right. it's not, it's not like a, what a lot of people think is that wheelchair basketball is kind of that, just a therapeutic sport. People do it because they're trying to do physical therapy to improve their condition or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's, it's really not the case. And so kind they're of to anybody, athletes. They're true yeah, athletes, right? to anybody who hasn't seen it, if you ever get a chance to do it, mm-hmm. you got to go for it. Um, I mean, if you're ever around Whitewater, let me know. I can get you in a chair and let you try it. Oh, um, yeah, I, but, I would totally fail at that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we have people come watch practices a lot, uh-huh. and we do a lot of disability awareness presentations to different schools and companies all across Wisconsin and kind of into, we've even been as far as Indiana uh-huh. um, just to kind of show people what the sport is because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know. They assume it's these big, like, clunky hospital wheelchairs that weigh, like, 100 pounds and are hard mm-hmm. to move but their specialized chairs fit for each individual player mm-hmm. and it allows them to move really fast and and turn on a diamond just kind of you, you'll see people falling people colliding and a lot of people just don't expect it that it, it is really athletic wow and it sounds a little brutal at moments <laughs> it sounds brutal uh-huh. um especially because when you think the chairs are made of metal uh-huh. um but i mean if you think about it in in basketball in general there's a lot of contact Right. And they say it's a non-contact sport, but there's a lot of contact. You just don't hear it because it's like your leg hitting their leg, uh, and right. instead it's a it's it's metal, a wheel metal. hitting right. hitting a big piece of metal, basically. Oh, wow, that's I, so I really do want to come see it. I'm gonna have to do that. Um, so, okay, so uh, you said there's nine teams. Where are they? Like, what states are they in? Yeah. So let's see. There's Obviously, Missouri and UW-Whitewater. Um, there's University of Texas Arlington, uh, University of Alabama, Auburn University, Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania, Southwest Minnesota, Minnesota State University, um, Nebraska-Omaha, uh, University of Illinois, that's nine. I'm trying to think. That's, that's nine. nine. Yeah, all right, I got, got them all. <laughs> Nicely done. And so there's actually there is a tenth team right now. Now that I think about it, they just started this year in oh, okay. uh, Eastern Washington. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and so okay. for the women's side, it's Whitewater, Illinois, Texas, Alabama, and Arizona um, has been in there in the past. I don't think they are right now. Okay. So is this? You know, this is just me asking. Because I don't know, so don't take this with any um, oh, you're right. insult here. But are do they are they offered scholarships like able-bodied athletes are? So it it varies depending on the school. Um, several of the the big Division One schools, the ones you probably recognized out of that list, with mm-hmm. Illinois, Missouri, um, Alabama, Auburn, some of those will have several different scholarships that they can offer. They'll have several players who have full scholarships to cover all their school or they'll have partial scholarships. Um, some of the smaller schools, um, might have little bits and pieces here and there. Um, whitewater's kind of in that boat. Um, we don't have multiple, we, we, are a division three school, so our athletics programs can't offer scholarships either. Mm -hmm. And so 
like for able-bodied or or for wheelchair athletics. So we're kind of in a in a bit of a tough battle at times mm-hmm. because we we have um, we're going up against schools who can pay for pay for some kids to go to school. Um, it makes recruiting a little a little more difficult. Right. But we've been able to we've been able to fight the fight and we've been okay. really successful. So I think there's just a tradition of having good wheelchair basketball here. Right. And that and, and so people still come here even if they have to pay for school. It's such a great school. It's where it's my alma mater as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little partial. Um, so what is the st- what is the standing for the men's team? Uh, so far this year, we I'm trying to think we are eight and one. Okay. I, I think that's right. Somewhere in there. Um, we lost one game. We lost to university of Alabama. Okay. Um, in a three point game at, at whitewater, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> um, it's the same team we actually lost to in the national championship game last year by four points. Oh, wow. So it was kind of big game. Um, and I think we, we've kind of grown, we've grown a lot since then. Um, and I think we should be in pretty good shape going forward. We actually just had our last practice before Christmas break or winter break, whatever they want to call it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, and so we, we have a couple weeks off without practice. Um, and then we come back right after new year's, um, to get ready for kind of the rest of the season. We got four or five tournaments left before the national tournament, which is in Champaign this year. Oh, wow. So at university of Illinois. Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, what do you like? What are some unique challenges for this for the players on these teams compared to able-bodied players? I mean, aside from being in wheelchairs, like, are there other things that we wouldn't consider or be aware of? Um, so, I guess the easiest way to explain that would be, as far as kind of coaching the game goes, mm-hmm. the the big difference is in able-bodied basketball, you can't or you can kind of sub in anybody for anybody. Mm. There's not like a certain system that you have to, you have to have a center power forward, small forward shooting guard and point guard on the field, on the court. Um, you can kind of put in whatever in able-bodied sports in wheelchair basketball. There's a, a classification system. Okay. And so basically how it works is you, each player is given a classification between one and 4.5. Okay. And it goes up in half point increments. Um, and it's dependent on your level of disability or your your amount of, um, I guess, function. And so anybody who's like a one would be like would have the least amount of core function or would have more a more severe disability, basically. Okay. And then a four point five would be somebody who has very minimal disability or in the college division might not even have a disability because able-bodied athletes are able to play at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that's why I was able to play. Um, cause they had changed the rule actually there, my, oh, okay. while I was in grad school. <laughs> Is there a percent, like a, a, you can only have like X number of able-bodied players on the court at the same time or some rules around um, that? Kind of. Okay. So basically with the point system, you're allowed to have up to 14 points on the court. Okay. And you can't have more than five players on the court. So with that, it kind of automatically filters out how many able-bodied players can play at a time. Ah, uh, gotcha. Because they're 4.5 points. Okay. And so if you put two of them out there, it's already nine points. Right. Gotcha. And you're running out of out of room to get the other get five people on the court. Right. Okay. <clears throat> that's so. so interesting and do you feel like that system is fair and works well yeah so it works really well so far um we've seen the we've seen the division grow it was at eight teams at the time 
when they allowed the rule. <clears throat> and the University of Auburn actually was able to join because of the rule. They had they had enough players with an, an able-bodied player to have five to be able to create their team. Okay. And um, so, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, getting all choked up here. Yep, I know trying to. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long has a oh, wheelchair basketball been a thing at colleges, you know, an official um, sport? So it, it was actually, like, invented at – or created, whatever you want to call it, um, at the University of Illinois. Or in that area, um, it was for people coming back from World War II. Oh, wow. And so at at that point, it was a rehabilitative, um, basically exercise for people. Just kind of get out and get moving a little bit. And then pretty much since then, they've had some some teams on college campuses. And the college division, to be honest, I'm not even sure – how long it has been around. <laughs> I know it was around in, in like the eighties okay. and it just kind of, it, it really fluctuates on how many teams there are from year to year. And, and, mm-hmm. and as rule changes have happened, it kind of has grown a little bit, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, we keep hearing that more and more teams should be joining in the near future. And so they're talking about like maybe an Ohio state or something like that might be joining, having a team as well soon. So what do you see for your um, team when you're like when you're traveling for a game? Like what are the biggest challenges that they have to cope with? Are they different from everyday challenges or unique to being a sports team? Um, I mean, really, I don't see a whole lot of challenges. <laughs> um, the only difference between kind of any other team traveling on the bus and, and us is that we'll, our bus has a lift on it. Mm-hmm. Um to get people on and off. But to be honest, most people don't use it. Um, We have a lot of people who have some use of their legs. Okay. And as far as kind of getting on and off the bus as quick as possible, it makes more sense to have some people walk onto the bus instead of having one lift, put one person at a time (laughs) on the top. So, so really only like only three of our people use the, use the lift out of our, out of our probably 16 or so people that are going on a trip. Oh, okay. And then uh, packing can be a bit of a nightmare uh-huh. um, just because every all the players um, who have chairs that they use for everyday life um, bring those chairs and they bring their basketball chairs. Okay. Um, and obviously bags for clothes and everything like that. And right. so uh, all of it has to kind of fit under the bus right. the best we can. And it's a, it's a big game of Tetris. Yeah, I bet. and it's like a band, you know. You need your suck. You need your semi truck to follow with all your gear. <laughs> yeah, so we we've we fit it all off all of it underneath, wow. um, except for the bags. The bags we keep up on the on the bus, but okay. all the chairs can fit. <laughs> um, the women's team usually travel travels with us as well, and so we got all well both teams on the bus and wow. all their chairs underneath, and and it can be tight at times, but we make. It, like I said, it's a big game of Tetris, and we make it work. <laughs> that's that's probably the only real challenge that I can think of, though. Other than that, it's just kind of everyday life. We get we jump on the bus, drive to a drive down to Alabama. That one's coming up in, in February. Um, we'll drive down there, stay stay overnight at the hotel, play some games on Friday, play stay at the hotel, play some games Saturday, and drive back. Okay. <laughs> so we'll play about five games that weekend, and then head back. So is it typically that you play men's and women's on the same trip, or are they uh, uh, it different usually, destinations? Usually we'll go on the same trip. It's a it's more of a cost of 
effective kind of thing where it just makes more sense for both of us to go at the same time. Um, there will be times where we'll go different places, mm-hmm. um, but that's usually if we're, the men's team is going to a location that doesn't have a women's team or isn't hosting a women's tournament. Okay. And then they'll go somewhere that is hosting a women's tournament. So, okay. but, so but for the most part, we, we plan it so that we go to the same place at the same time just because it makes everything easier. Right. So shout out to the schedulers, right, who coordinate all of that. <laughs> That's yeah, it, it can be a bit challenge. of <laughs> it can be a bit of a handful at times right. for sure. So that must be extra nice for you though, because if you, uh, we should probably mention that your fiance is on the women's team, right? Uh, she was. Oh, she was. She's, so she's not yep. anymore. Okay. She's she's graduated now. Um, works at Granger in Janesville, doing some IT stuff. Um, she still helps coach the team a little bit in the mornings um, before she has to head to work, or she she usually makes it probably three days a week. She oh, can't make nice. it all the time, but, right. um, so she's still around and still wor- works with the team. Um, still comes by after work when, when the team's scrimmaging and just, just playing games for fun. Okay. So, so she's still around a lot, but yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of all in the family. Well, I didn't realize that she graduated. So congratulations on that. That's always a good feeling, right? To get yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. She's done. She, she kind of went back for a little bit. She went and got her project management certificate from Whitewater as well. Oh, nice. Um, it's, it's interesting too. Her sister, one of her sisters, is the kind of the manager for the women's team right now, and her brother kind of followed followed suit. He's he's an able-bodied athlete like I am, mm-hmm. um, but he started playing on the team as well. So really? he kind of kind of followed my my footsteps a bit and jumped in, and he plays on the team now and is really really pretty solid player too. Oh, that's so cool. Because this wasn't, like, you didn't know her or anything about wheelchair basketball before you went to college, right? No, I, I went to, when I went to University of Missouri, I heard pretty early on they had a wheelchair basketball team, mm-hmm. but knew nothing about it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I always knew, when I was in the dining hall, I'd see the, the te- some of the players from the team come in mm-hmm. for or for breakfast at the same time, but never had seen him play anything like that. And so it was, it was a whole new experience. Um, and then I didn't actually know, uh, Lydia at all until I got here. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so that's kind of cool. I got, I got here and, and another, another thing that just kind of fit, it, it worked out real, real well. And we're actually getting married in May. So. Oh, in May. Gosh, that's going to come so fast. Yeah. It, it's coming real quick. <laughs> we, that's I so got exciting. It was in March this past year that I proposed, and so just over a year of planning. Wow. Nice part is she's she's a planner. She loves doing it. Right. And so she's like, I'll plan the wedding. You plan the honeymoon. So <laughs> You can't so really tell the, us what that is, though, because that's – is that like a surprise or uh, – Oh, no, it's not okay. a surprise at all. Okay. She knows. What we're going it? to Jamaica. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah, oh so we're going, to, we're going to a Sandals resort in Jamaica. Um, really, really excited. We're going right after the, the wedding, so we're taking off on the Sunday. Oh, I'm going to be out there that. for a week. <laughs> really I excited. Do, I think that's the way to do it. You know, oftentimes people put it off, but there's something yeah. magical about like hanging onto that moment as long as you can, you know, and, and living it, living in it for a little bit longer. You know, right? I that's what I that's what I didn't want. I didn't want to to have the wedding and then like go back to work on Monday. Right. 
I right. feel like it's, it's like, oh, here's a big, here's a big party. We're exhausted. And, Go to work. And now I'm married. And, and, and so, yeah. <laughs> right. So we're planning on just going and relaxing for a few days. That's awesome. You know, I remember um, when I met you, I think in the first, probably the first time we trained together, you were telling me a little bit about yourself and you had said at that time you were shopping for rings. And I was like, oh, I was just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And in fact, my other favorite trainer, my one, you know, my other Troy that I had before you, yeah. he got engaged while I was training with him too. So, or, you know, it was all happening at that time. I know it so happened maybe, after. Maybe you should keep changing trainers then. I think so. And they should be <laughs> young, single men. I think this is all working out really well for me. <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. You're just helping us all out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how that's going. <laughs> so yeah, I, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to do it. I just didn't didn't take the jump for a little while. <laughs> well, I think that's good. I think we have to be, you know, well, I mean, it just depends, but it's good that you knew that. Um, and it's just a great story, you know, and especially, do you think you'll stay in this field for a long time, like working at the university? Is that, or are you already sort of thinking, well, what's the next thing? <laughs> um, so I, I really like the, I like the advising job. It definitely, like we were talking about before we were kind of recording it, I really like that it, uh, I have the busy times, but then I have the really laid back times. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's really nice. Uh, and I'd love to be able to work with the wheelchair basketball team as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it is kind of a volunteer thing at this point. Oh, okay. And so I just kind of, for the most part, I make it as much as I can. And if I can't, I can't. But okay. um, I make it to most of the trips. and um or I, I make it to all the trips, really. I, right. I t- if I have to, I'll take a vacation day. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Because um, that's what I – this this job kind of really allows me to do the wheelchair basketball stuff, and that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also kind of working on the side project of starting an online personal training business, too. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm spending my downtime during the advising season working on is trying to get, get that going a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um just because it's it's something it's something fun, and I can I can train some people, help help change, hopefully change some people's lives, and and make them happier and healthier. So, yeah, you know, I don't think um, anybody gives personal trainers enough credit for the impact they have on people's lives. I mean, since I've been training with someone, my life has totally changed. And then the other thing I think people don't realize is that if you find the right person, you're getting more than personal training. At least in my experience, you're mm-hmm. getting like Almost like um, free counseling, I'd call it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> it's definitely like a, there's definitely a mindset portion to it. Right. And and not not every trainer is gonna is gonna have it. Right. Um, but I feel like the good ones are the ones who help it make it a like a habit and a lifestyle change instead of just a physical change. Right. And stuff. So all of a sudden, you can you can kind of stop telling yourself stories, saying, "Hey, I'm not," I. Today is, I'm having a bad day today, and and so I'm not going to do this. Right. Uh, if you if if you can kind of get get people to kind of change their perspective a little bit and be like, yeah, it's, it's difficult, but what am I going to get out of this? I'm going to get a lot more out of this than saying, no, I can't do it. I'm tired. Right. Or I'm not in the mood today. Um. So kind of changing the stories is kind of a big is a big thing, I think. And so if if people can do that, they'll see a lot more changes pretty quick. What do you think um, as a trainer? So uh, what do you think is the biggest obstacle that you run into when you're trying to get people past that, whatever they're like, what's the hurdle that's the hardest to get over? 
I think it is the mental hurdle. Okay. Um, I think really it's 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 people tell themselves they can't do something, mm-hmm. or they think I want the easy way out, uh-huh. and getting everybody to realize that there there's not an easy way to to get stronger. There's not an easy way to lose weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to put in the work. Right. Uh, you like you can try all the diets in the world, but you're going to burn out on a lot of them because they're not sustainable. And so you just have to. You just have to consistently like put in the work to do to make the change to be more permanent with mm-hmm. it. And I, so I think that's kind of the biggest hurdle. I don't think it's the physical thing at all. Everybody yeah. can you can figure it out physically, but mentally I think a lot of people shut down. So the mindset. You know yeah. and I also think that the best personal trainers and trainers realize that one formula is not gonna fit every person. You know? Definitely not. <laughs> right. I think I think the connection is probably the, the most important part for people who, who want to see success. Right. Like, I, like I said, the physical part will come. You just have to put in the work. The mental part is easier to give up on. <laughs> right. Especially for people who've never really had success. I know. So how will you achieve that through your online training? Like how will you achieve that connection with and, and personalization? Yeah. So with that, there'll be just kind of a, a component built in where you'd have kind of weekly check-ins there'd be like a form you could fill out to check in and get like the facts of what you've done but then mm-hmm. there'd be like a live kind of zoom chat or skype chat or something mm-hmm. kind of with the group or with one-on-one if needed um mm-hmm. to kind of just kind of hang out with the people see we'll see what what's going well what's not going well right. um and just kind of get to know them better and then there'll be parts where you kind of break down one-on-one with a person like Hey, these are the stories you're telling yourself. This is why things aren't going well, uh-huh. and just kind of help re redevelop the path that they're on to get to where they want to be. Um, and then just kind of doing some little mindset coaching in there. Um, some of it will be run kind of through a Facebook group, so the the people in the group will have that community of people who can help hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is to, that I want to have people in a group, like similar people in a group. So whether it be moms. Moms right. have several things they can tie, they can they can feel like they're relating with other people about. Right. And so it kind of makes that communication portion easier. It helps them. If somebody's like, oh, I'm really struggling with this today, and you have a, another group of moms being like, oh, well, this is what's worked for me in the past, or hey, you, you got it, keep going. Um, and so kind of building the communication mm-hmm. um, portion as well. And then um, just kind of kind of giving little lessons on, on different mindset things, whether it be goal setting or um, really just kind of anything, just putting, making sure you're putting in the work, right. um, motivation things. And so just kind of little videos like that, but then having the different like hangout calls and things like mm-hmm. that. So that way they get the, they get that personal attention. Right. Um, even though they, they can be like a hundred miles away or whatever. Right. How do you find what works? Yeah, so I think the the way I kind of wanted to set it up is I have kind of a monthly mission that everybody's going towards. Mm-hmm. And so whether it be like the goal is just fat loss or mm-hmm. gain muscle, whatever it may be, I just kind of throw on ideas out there. Right. Um, and so that mission would kind of tie some people to it. But then inside of that, for the people who are competitive, you uh-huh. like come up with little competitions of like – not necessarily who can lose the most fat because right. that's not 
it's it's hard to judge that because everybody's going to be different and, and everybody's going to be able to lose it at different rates. Okay. But like challenges as far as like who could row 400 meters the fastest, right, right, or something like that. Just kind of something that that gets people moving and gets them excited to compete. And not everybody has to, because um, right. there are going to be some people who are going to go out there and they're going to do it until they win. Right. And then there's going to be people who are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. And so they'll kind of sit in the back and that, that's fine. I mean, just kind of making sure there's that shared goal, I think is the biggest thing is everybody would have that monthly mission or right. goal that they want to achieve. And it just kind of helps push them forward and never, and then kind of playing around with the several other factors to get, make sure everybody is, is kind of um, engaged well, and I think there's so many non-scale victories that I didn't, you know, it took me a long time to realize that. I mean, everyone's got the, oh yeah, you know, you want to lose weight and see it on the scale. And then people have, you know, oh, I want to fit in these pants or whatever it is or that sport. Yeah. But there's so many other things like um, that I, I try to pay attention to, like just how I feel in the world or how like everyday mm-hmm. tasks feel like painting on a tall ladder when it used to be oh both hands on the ladder climbing up step by step now I can not have my hands on the ladder and just climb straight up you know what I mean it's like just little things like that that you that you don't realize you don't have when you're overweight and then all of a sudden as you get stronger weight weight regardless of weight but just feeling stronger and more confident in my balance or muscles it's like it just changes everything yeah, at that point, the the weight's kind of irrelevant, right? Um, to some extent, because if you feel good, it doesn't it doesn't really matter, right? Exactly. Because if you feel good, then you're gonna you're gonna feel better about yourself. You're gonna be more confident in yourself, and it's gonna kind of change your life. Yes, it's like a reliance on my body. It's like I can count on it to do whatever I want. Yeah, and I mean, at that point, if you're as long as you're able to do everything you need to do, the weight doesn't matter, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Totally and and you may not be able to see it, but on the inside, you're like you're gonna be at a lower risk for different health issues because your body is is doing stuff. It's right. it's not everybody kind of sees like they're like, oh, this person's overweight or whatever. But there's plenty of people who are really skinny who who right. yeah, they couldn't do it. Or right. they have a lot of health problems that you can't see, and it has right. nothing to do with the weight. It's just because they're not in shape, right. or they're not they're not fit. And so a lot of people just kind of judge judge that. And I think that's the one of the big things people don't notice is it is. I mean, if you're if you're in shape, it doesn't like some people might have a lot of fat on their body. Some people might have none, but it doesn't mean they're one could or not right right. Like, the heavier yeah. one could be a lot more in shape. So, um, what do you, what do you like to do besides working with athletes? Do you, uh, what are some of your other things that you enjoy doing? Um, so <laughs> a lot of people think it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm very much a homebody. I, mm-hmm. I get done with work and we get done with practices and everything for the day. I, I go, I go home and I hang on the couch with, hang out on the couch with, uh, Lydia and uh-huh. we kind of watch TV or we clean up the house a little bit. I, I just enjoy being at home. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, and other than that, it's just kind of hanging out with Lid, – Lid's family all lives around here. Okay. Um, so we hang out with them quite a bit. Um, hanging out with the head coach, um, Opie, he, he's uh-huh. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I spend time with him when I can. Um, love watching sports. doesn't uh-huh. matter what it is. I'll watch it. Um, but if it's a Purdue University game, <laughs> I'm going to watch it for sure. My, my whole family except for me went there. <laughs> really? Why um, didn't you yeah. go 
so I didn't go because at the time when I was in high school, we had already, we had moved to Missouri and it was going to cost like $40,000 a year to go to Purdue. Oh, okay. And so they, and they, they had what I wanted to major in, but it was kind of different as a lot more science heavy. Okay. Um, and then all, basically all my friends from high school were going to Missouri. Oh, gotcha. Um, so it was kind of a, a mixture of things, but really I didn't want to pay $40,000 a year <laughs> to go to I school. I hear you on that. That sounds And reasonable. so all my friends from Missouri still give me a hard time that like Purdue played Missouri in football this year. And I actually went to the game um, and was rooting for Purdue the whole time. Oh. And they're like, well, you went to college here. I was like, <laughs> "Does it, I I grew up as a Purdue fan. I'm going right. to be one for my whole life. There's nothing <laughs> you can do to change it. Missouri's probably number two. <laughs> right. Yeah. But people but have it was their just kinda, alliances, that's for sure. Yeah, that, that's my team. And if they're playing, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so so. Um, aside from that, let's go into the new fun uh, thing that we've been doing on the show, which is if you can tell me three random facts about yourself. So things you haven't covered already, things you probably wouldn't put on a resume, but just like three totally random things. All right. Um, okay. Kind of, not really. Um, so first one completely off topic, I guess, would be that I've been to, I believe it is 46 of the 50 states. No way. Yeah. Did your um, family so travel a, a lot when you were young? Or? Yeah, we, we traveled a lot. Um, we do a lot. Of, we did a lot of camping when I was little. Um, we just kind of, we just enjoyed going different places. Um, kind of some families always want like the new TV and the new this or whatever. And we, we wanted to go travel. That's <laughs> so, so, cool. so I haven't necessarily like vacationed in all of those spots, but I've been in all of them. Okay. <laughs> and so the, the ones I'm kind of missing is Alaska, um, oh, yeah. and a couple of the Northeast States. But, okay. um, other than that, yeah, been to, been to 46, I think. Unless I counted wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But, but yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And been like going to Hawaii. We had thought about going there for the honeymoon as well. Uh-huh. Um, but I'd, I'd been there twice actually with my family before. And so I was like, oh, we'll, we'll go somewhere a little bit different. <laughs> new for, is that new for both of you then? Jamaica? <laughs> kind of. I've actually been to Jamaica as well. Oh, um, we went to the <laughs> other side of Jamaica though. Um and so I'm pretty excited. We're going to be going to Montego Bay. Oh, nice! Very luxurious. And, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm really excited. <laughs> I bet. Um, and then I guess second random fact. Um, we'll kind of go back to wheelchair basketball with this one a little bit. There's two of them. Um, one is I was the assistant coach for a developmental national team that went to Tokyo. Um, so we went, we went to, not to, well, we went to Japan Mm -hmm. and the tournament itself was in Kitakyushu. Um, so kind of a Southern, one of the Southern islands. Um, but we went there for a, an international tournament and that was kind of my first international experience. When was that? When was that? That would have been two years ago. Okay. Um, Yeah. You must have, have been, been like two, a giant there. You must have been like a giant. I, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. I, I mean, I was definitely tall. Uh-huh. Uh, but there were still quite a few people who who were pretty similar in height. And so oh. I, that kind of threw me off a little bit because I had always heard like like Japan in general was like shorter. Right. Yeah. Uh, and being 6'3", I thought I was going to stand out. Right. 
And I mean, I did, I did, but at the same time, yeah, (laughs) at the same time though, I, I, it wasn't, didn't stand out as much as I thought I would. Interesting. Um, one cool thing though, there, everybody was incredibly helpful, like over the top helpful. I thought I was getting my suitcase stolen at one point, um, because (laughs) the person came up and just kind of grabbed it and walked alongside me so that I didn't have to carry it. Wow. It really threw me off, and at first I thought he was stealing it from me, but then he walked right next to me with it, and I was like, oh, okay, thank you. (laughs) Um, And then I was really surprised how accessible the area was. Mm. Like, it was, it sounds funny, but it was like a different world, kind of. Like, everything was kind of over-the-top accessible, and the, like, street lights and everything were, they had different ways for different disabilities to help make sure that you could safely cross the road. And, mm. and it was, it was fantastic. I, there was a great place for a wheelchair basketball tournament and I, it was a super fun trip oh, way wow. further than I've ever been from home before. So that's amazing. I, I want, I, I'm sure you're very in tune with that. In fact, I was going to ask what do you, like if there was one thing across, you know, the board and the U S that you wish we could change to make things more accessible? Like, is there a certain thing that's just a, a pet peeve you run into again and again? Um, the one that I, I don't, I guess it's annoying to me, but I, cause I don't understand it. Um, is I don't understand how they decide who gets handicap tags for their, for parking. Ah. Because we'll go like Lyd and I will go shopping and we'll see like some person who's like my age, like 29 and it looks like there's nothing wrong at all. Uh And they'll be, they'll have a handicap tag and they'll be parked in handicap spots. And so it, I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of annoys me because then we'll have to find a different spot to park. And if, if there aren't handicap spots, it's a lot harder to get her chair out of the car right? and everything. And so, I guess that that would be probably my biggest pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish there was a, a better way to kind of understand how it, how it works or what the mm-hmm. process is. Right. Um, other than that though, I think it's, it's kind of just a lot of sidewalks and, and stuff. They don't have enough curb cuts right? Um, as far as crossing the street and things like that. And then a lot of those, the sidewalks are just torn up. And it, yeah. it kind of makes maneuvering a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, my dad was in a wheelchair for like the last four years of his life. And, you know, he was a bigger guy too. So there were like multiple challenges that way. Uh, and he used a lot of public transportation in Madison. But I think the worst thing I saw I would hear would be when the sidewalks weren't right. So he was like going down the roads in you know, in the winter, yeah, in the road itself in Madison, trying to get from one block to the next. And that just always like got me so freaked out because I yeah. didn't want anything to happen to him. And even, you know, my son and I, you know, Joe, he has a vision disability and we went to Whitewater to learn more about what, how they can support him as a mm-hmm. potential college. And oh my gosh, they were so good. It made me so proud of my alma mater. Yeah. You know, just the program that they have there for students with disabilities was off the charts. Amazing. And they had a panel that talked to the whole group of kids that were there learning. And what the Mm -hmm. panel brought, and there were, I think, two people in wheelchairs at the panel. And what they brought up that, like, it didn't even occur to me, and that's, you know, on me. But really how hard it is in winter, you know, to get around. Even on campus (laughs) as, you know, 
compact as whitewater and as forward-thinking as whitewater, in a wheelchair, getting to classes is hard. And then you're bringing all that snow in. I mean, it's just not easy. Right. It, so. It's definitely difficult. There's times where we've had some of our athletes um, who can't really make it to practice on time. Right. Because if it snows at 4 in the morning and we, pra- we practice at 6.30 – um, and if it, if it snows and they don't get it cleared right? or if they plow, if the plows push it to in front of kind of the door that is more accessible, right? they're just kind of stuck. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's definitely, I guess, another one that I don't normally think about, but yeah, that one is definitely a pet peeve as well. well um, they do. Yeah, they're stuck and, and they're wet. They're like, you know, how yeah. do you deal with all that snow on the wheels and, you know, they're using their hands to get, you know, to push if they don't have an electric cart and right. Yeah. And so, and go through a lot of gloves. Yeah. Cause they, they tear them up pretty quick. Um, but, and the gloves get wet and cold real quick. And so you just yeah. hope you can get to where you can get as fast as you can. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, but our, it's amazing how mobile they are quite mm-hmm. frankly. Like and how then our, adaptable they are. Yeah, our campus in general does a really good job of clearing the snow. Yeah, um, it just kind of depends how fast and how hard it goes down and what time. Right. Um, but right. they do a, they do a really good job. They have the brushes out, like the the motorized like brushes to mm-hmm. to clear it all. Um, they're going through all the time because our our campus does have a really high kind of I guess population of students with disabilities. They do, and it is one of yeah. the more is one of the ones like nationally it's one of the best schools for students with disabilities because of how accessible it is. Right. Um, yeah. it's just, there, there's times where it's hard because they, they have to plow the snow out of a parking lot so cars can get in. Mm-hmm. But if they're not paying attention where they plow it to, mm-hmm. it might make it so that they can't get to class or something right. like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we did get to this point because we do want to give a shout out to Whitewater and what they're doing for students with disabilities. It, it is phenomenal. I was like blown away when I went to that session last spring. And even some of those students said in the winter, they do have the ability through the students with disabilities um, program to get rides. So yeah. on some of those really d- tough days, they can actually get a ride, you know, wherever they need to go and not have to deal with the snow. So it was, I was blown away by that, like how yeah. much they're supporting them. Yeah, the Warhawk Wheels program is really cool. They can yeah. basically just call and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm at I'm at this dorm, right. and I need to get here by this time. What when can you get me?" <laughs> and they'll right. they'll send somebody right over to pick them up. And yeah. and if if they are in like a power chair or something like that and need help loading into the car, they, they'll help you with that. That's a they have like the vans with the ramps and everything. Right. Um, yeah. They make it they make it super super convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. So anyone who has who's listening, who knows a student with disability, who's looking for a college or, you know, wants to learn more about the program, maybe to, you know, create that in your own university or more with it, like check it out because it was phenomenal. And I tell you, um, advocating for a student with disabilities is, it takes a lot of effort and, and knowledge seeking. Like what I've learned through being my son's parent through the school district and through the Wisconsin um, Department of vocational rehabilitation or depart- workforce mm-hmm. department and then through the university it's like it's like learning it's like a part-time job i mean i'm learning yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm just constantly seeking to understand and it's uh, exhausting <laughs> it is it is but there's so much out there if we just really reach out and learn more about it i mean our, mm-hmm. we're lucky in wisconsin and through our university program there's so much in our local school district does so much for joe 
So we're, we're very lucky for sure. So um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your online training program or, and then maybe you should give a shout out to the wheelchair basketball, like how they can learn more about that. Yeah. So with the training, it's really kind of early, I guess not, it's not super early in the process, but it's pretty early. So there's not any fancy email or anything like that okay. or a website that's all set up, but I do have an email you can go towards. Okay. Um, and it's acjfit2018 at gmail.com. acjfit. What was it? 28, 2018. Oh, okay. At, at gmail.com. Okay. Um, and so if you don't have any questions, anything like that, we'd be happy to help. Um, okay. It's a friend of a friend of mine and I working on it, um, and I mean, we'll 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 be happy to help. We'll send okay. some information your way if you need any information, anything like that. Um, yeah, reach out. Um, and then with wheelchair basketball, the I'm trying to think, I actually have my computer, so I will pull up the webpage <laughs> so I can give you the information. All right. Um, so yeah. it's uh, www.uww.edu. Uh huh slash rec sports r-e-c-s-p-o-r-t-s okay slash w-c athletics okay okay got it yep and that'll take you to our our page it has the contact information for the head coach and the head coach of the women's team um i don't believe my contact information is actually on there but that's okay okay (laughs) um you can get a hold of me on the other the other one okay any questions you have whether it be training or anything I will. I, I check that email all the time. So right. <laughs> feel free to reach out there. Well, AJ, it's been so fun talking with you. I mean, I can't tell you how much I miss training with you. It was uh, one of the highlights of my training experience. So I, I'm glad to know you're going to continue doing it. And I, it's so good to know you're impacting people every day through your work. Yeah, thank, I'm glad we were finally able to meet up and do this. I know. We didn't cancel <laughs> we t- like 10 times <laughs> between we, the two of us. We talked about it like the first day I met you. <laughs> I know. And that was, gosh, a year and a half ago, I think. Now. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. So it, it's about time we got it to happen. So if it wasn't obvious during the interview, I have a little bit of an AJ crush. He was definitely one of my favorite trainers so far in my life. I think there's probably a few more coming ahead, so I can't really uh, say of all time, but he's right up there. And... I knew it right from the start. You know how when you meet somebody and you can tell they have a passion about what they do and it's not even that he's over the top, like you go, oh yeah, he's like full of it. He's full of all this magic and passion. It's more his gentleness and his, um, it's like comes from within. And so think about those people in your life who you get that vibe from, who are just like every day doing this thing that they're meant to do and they just follow it with all of their heart and uh, give them a high five today on behalf of AJ and me. And thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.